Hello, this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, and today's the music edition, you're going to get a film edition, but, you know, what happened today, 31 years ago, has been overanalyzed, mis- well, oh, overdone, over-talked about, over-calculated, why... Did this band and originally they were from Aberdeen, Washington. They played in Seattle, but then you know it's like, okay, well, we're just gonna say you're from Seattle because the Seattle sound knocks Michael Jackson off the top spot from an album that this was their second album, it was released today 31 years ago. Along with Red Hot Chili Peppers Blood Sex uh, Magic or Blood Sex and Magic, I think. And Soundgarden's uh, Bad Motorfinger, or as my friend used to call it, Soundgarden's Bad Motherfucker. Um, think of all those albums that are released and what happens. Smells Like Teen Spirit comes out. Smells Like Teen Spirit knocks the fucking door down. The underground music scene comes to the forefront. You know, hair metal is dead. I should know because this month I saw some hair metal. It was Motley Crue, the geriatric version, and Poison, the very old geriatric version. You know, every rose has it thorn. Okay. Talk about a nostalgia show. And then you've got Joan Jett, whom, for me, really solidified the show. I I love Joan Jett. Um, And then you've got Def Leppard. I mean, Rock of Ages right there. Hits from the 80s. Yeah. And so what happens in 1991, Nirvana... With a brand new drummer. Nirvana went through drummers like candy, okay? First they had Chad Crook. Was it? No, not Chad. Um, Chad Channing, who played on the first album. Then they had Dale Crover. And then uh, at one point, Patty Schemmel of Sybil, who would later go on to be in Hole, was considered a front runner. But then a band called Scream breaks up. And their drummer, Dave Grohl, becomes part of Nirvana, okay? In fact, the drum the drum fills for In Bloom are Chad Channings. And Dave Grohl had to copy those, all right? Yes, I know my history. Oh, I know my history. And so, to not overanalyze the Seattle sound, Nirvana's Nevermind, or Pearl Jam's 10, which actually sold more, um, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the moment that hair metal died. And even Lars Ulrich was like, great. Because Lars, Lars Ulrich didn't consider himself a part of head metal. Metallica were thrash. They were thrash. They had a lot of hair, but they were thrash. 
And then Kurt Cobain, Chris Novoselic, and Dave Grohl give us Nevermind. With such classic standards. I mean, this is not, you know, strangers in the night. Okay, this is not how much is that fucking doggy in the window. This is Smells Like Teen Spirit, In Bloom, Lithium, Polly, uh, what is it, uh, Breed, uh, Drain You, I mean, I'm gonna forget a few, you know, Something in the Way, of course, which is a standard, and On, on a Plane, and, and Nevermind, Nevermind is a standard, now, here, here's another statistic. Oh, God, I hate statistics, but it's, it's here. I was talking to a professor once, and we were talking about Nevermind, and how Nevermind, that album went global. They were listening to that album in Mexico. They were listening to that album in Hawaii, in Japan. Okay. So these three guys from Aberdeen, Washington. Well, okay, no. Chris and Kurt were from Aberdeen. Um, Dave was originally from the East Coast. All right. You know, Dave Grohl. We have to talk about this. After Nirvana went on to form the Foo Fighters. Recently, this year, suffered a very... A nut- See, and I hate this. Another tragic loss. When his drummer, um, Taylor Hawkins, dies. So, okay. He's been in two bands where two, two people important to him have died. Kurt Cobain and Taylor Hawkins. Both are blonde. Just saying. Okay. <clears throat> and then Chris Novoselic, who left music at some point. Went to politics. And then came back to music. And the family of Kurt Cobain. Who continue to honor his memory. Think about that. He's been gone longer than he's been alive. He's been gone for almost 30 years. You know, he he didn't survive his Saturn return. Unfortunately. But to, you know, overanalyze the importance of Nevermind, let's just say it's, it's an essential album. And to be fair, it is not the main essential album. Because when you have essential albums, there's albums, there's more than one. So we can count Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood, Sex, Magic, and I forget the other word. And then uh, Soundgarden, Bad Motor Finger. Pearl Jam's 10. Okay? It's the Seattle Sound. All the and 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 this year's the 30th anniversary. But I never considered them part of the part of grunge. And that's Alice in Chains. This year, 30 years ago, they put out Dirt. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't get more grunge than that, that title right there. You got songs like Angry Chair, Down in a Hole, Wood, okay? So, and then, and then Soundgarden, I wouldn't, you know, even, even Chris, um, Chris Cornell was saying, you know, they weren't really grunge Soundgarden. If you think of what Soundgarden was doing sonically, 
because it was all it was all Chris Cornell who was doing that in terms of the singing, in terms of the guitar playing, and they were a tight band. And then the drummer from Soundgarden later goes into Pearl Jam. Okay, so everyone's kind of playing in the sandbox together, but you know, Nirv- Nirvana Nirvana set kind of a standard for that, and um. 31 years ago. So I thought this would kind of open the show because I didn't want to devote, you know, like I've said, I don't want to oversaturate how great Nevermind is. Okay. Or also that year, how REM put out Out of Time. You know, it was, it was a very prolific musical year, 1991. And you've got Lollapalooza, and you've got Ministry. I love Ministry. Um, <clears throat> and all of the bands that would splinter off. You know, because of Nirvana. Because of the songwriting. And also, because of the production. Thank you, Butch Vig. I don't, I don't think Butch Vig, Vig gets a lot of credit, and he should. And you know, he's gone on to produce uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Foo Fighters. He started the band Garbage. Come on, I'm only happy when it rains. But, and I had talked about this not too long ago. When I was talking about Joan Jett and how she did Smells Like Teen Spirit. Every, everyone in their chicken has covered Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay? But Joan Jett, I want to say this. Because, you know, a lot of you sexist motherfuckers. Oh, she's a girl. Or some of you. So I know some people who call her the B word. They don't like her because she's political. So you know what I did? I said to them, well, you know what, motherfuckers? She played for the troops. What did you do? She played for the... Well, but she's political. Well, you know what? She's got a right to be political. And that's why we don't talk about politics on the show. So, but her passion, Joan Jett's passion is right there. It's evident. So for her to open that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame tribute to Nirvana, singing Smells Like Teen Spirit. You know, Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth. By the way, Sonic Youth got their name from Fred Sonic Smith of the MC5. He was married to Patti Smith. He was part of the Detroit Grunge, Raj, Hard Rock, MC5, the Motor City 5. Um, they're famous for that song, Kick Out the Jams, Motherfuckers. Um, yeah. And then um, Lord, she did all apologies. St. Vincent did Lithium. Trying to think, am I forgetting any? Uh, so, you've got all of these female artists doing covers of Nirvana songs. That says something right there about the influence of the album, about the band. And then I mentioned this not also, Miss Kathleen Hanna. Kathleen Hanna was a very good friend 
of Kurt Cobain. This is why I'm talking about Kathleen. I know. You're like, oh, God, why are you talking about her again? Because she inspired the lyric, Kurt smells like teen spirit. And she wrote it in graffiti on his wall. He was renting the house. So she said, you know, I shouldn't have done that. So then he calls her and he says to her, hey, you know, I was going to ask you if I could use that lyric that that she wrote on my wall for, in a song. And she's like, oh, OK. And then she says to herself, she did a spoken word and she talked about this. She's like, how the fuck? I'm sorry, I got to say it. She she's got kind of that riot girl. How the fuck is he going to take Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit, and put it into a song? Well, he did. Smells like teen spirit. So that's why Miss Kathleen Hanna is being mentioned. All of these different players that influence Nirvana's. Never mind, okay? <sighs> you know, there are people obsessed with Nirvana. I've met a few of them. I've probably slept with a few of them. It's like, oh my God, smells like teen spirit. Okay, all right. But there are other great bands out there. You know. We can't we can't, you know, discredit them. But yes, Nirvana are the ones that are, you know, they lit that fire. They helped light that fire because it, it's a team effort. It is a team effort we're talking about here. 20 I mean September 24th, 1991. And here we are, 31 fucking years later. And I'm talking this way because, well, you know, I'm going to talk about the American underground. Well, just so you know, this is how the American underground punk rock fucking talks and conducts themselves. Yeah, I know. And it's a very, it's a very, uh goal-oriented thing, you know? It's not about the riches. It's about, okay, we made this really great album, which they did. <clears throat> well, supposedly, the polished sound they didn't like. Okay, all right. You know, it's all hearsay because some people said, well, Kurt really wanted to be the biggest band in the world. I mean, the album sounded good. Um... But then what they did is, when they went to do In Utero, they wanted a very noisy, punk, dirty-sounding album. So they went to Steve Albini. It's like, okay, we've already worked with Butch. Um, it's like, okay. And then, you know, um, uh, Kurt's mother, when, she, when he first played the album for her and she said oh my god you need to get a lawyer you're not ready for this this is too much because I don't think any of them thought he would do something like that you know the whole the whole Nirvana thing it has become mythology you know and when you enter Aberdeen there's a sign that says welcome to Aberdeen Come as you are. Yeah. Because the biggest star that come out of Aberdeen was Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic of Nirvana. So, 
talk amongst yourselves right there. I've known people who saw Nirvana. I've known people who didn't, who didn't, they preferred the other band to Nirvana, which is, you know, okay. That's your, that's your prerogative. All right. But I'm telling you with the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now. Entertain us. Copyright 1991. Thank you, Francis Bean Cobain, for continuing to monitor your father's legacy. Um, you know, Francis, Francis turned 30 this year. And um, I'm sure that Francis would rather have her father back. I'm sure... And I speak for a lot of people, including Buzz Osborne of the Melvins, who was good friends with Kurt Cobain. He would rather all of that success never had happened, and he'd still have his friend back. So it's a double-edged sword right there. You know, Francis doesn't, didn't grow up with a father. She didn't have a father. She has no memory of him. And that's fucked up. That is fucked up. I mean, my God. Yeah. Think about that. If you can can conceptualize that. That this uh, young girl didn't have a father. Think about that. I'll leave you with that. If Nevermind had never been recorded. Okay. And they just had bleach. Kurt Cobain would probably be alive. Probably living in Seattle. Unpleasant dreams. <laughs>